Hi, I'm Donald Davidoff, and you're listening to The Curious Wire. So I'm excited about this episode. Uh, Donald um, resides in my hometown, home state of Colorado, but more so I think you are a a legend or a lot of Uh-oh. times people will use the word legacy because it's old and it hasn't worked. But I think in terms here, it's not because old hasn't worked is you've been doing a lot of things that have worked and are very forward thinking. Um, so just for 30 seconds, can you tell us what your, what you do, what your company is, and then we'll stop talking about your company and we'll talk about interesting things. <laughs> sure. I'm CEO and co-founder of real estate business analytics or Reba. Uh, we're on a mission to change how the industry uses data with a, a data analytics platform. Uh, Reba BI is our flagship product. Reba Budget is our budget and forecasting product. And we've got a uh, Reba Rent, a pricing revenue management solution coming out later this year. Now, that's a relatively new thing, but you've been on the tech side of creating tools, like, tools this. like this. Yeah, I, I, I got into the industry, uh, as many people do, sort of from the side door. But I, I call it a flypaper industry because once you're in, you just get stuck. Like nobody leaves. Uh, so I uh, led the team that built LRO. And uh, way back in November of 2001 was the industry's very first uh, vice president of pricing and revenue management. So a lot of work in pricing, a lot of work in BI, a lot of work in analytics, including marketing, those kinds of things. Ten years at Archstone, one year in senior living, uh, many years consulting, and then now running Reba. Okay, cool. So I, the, the, what I want to talk about is is reporting and, and, and data. Sorry, is there an echo that you hear? No, no, I'm good. Okay. So tools are very effective. So let's talk about revenue management for a second. So the idea of it is there's a lot of power behind it and what people can... But I, I, I think a big problem with it is people use it as a crutch. They stop thinking, they set it, and then they just do it automatically. So when you're doing that, that is, in my opinion, problematic and you stop using common sense and you, yeah. you run into a lot of scenarios. So one, what is your take on that in terms of yeah, revenue no, management it, it, and just setting and forgetting it? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it reminds me of two, uh, two sayings I've heard, right? One is like forecasts are always wrong. Okay. So you have to have a bit of humility. Uh, the computer can crunch numbers much better and much faster than humans, but the computer is not as good at intuition. And it's not necessarily aware of all the things going on at a property or submarket. So the best results are a collaboration between people and computer, uh, which reminds me of the second quote. One of the EVPs at Artstone in the early days um, always said, LRO is not an excuse to turn off your brain. So if you really wanted to get on her bad side, if you work for her and you really want to get on her bad side, when she asked a question about what was happening, give her the answer, LRO made me do it. And you wouldn't last very long with her because her point was you still run the business. LRO is a tool, right? A doctor doesn't say the scalpel made me do it, right? A craftsman doesn't blame his tools. And so um, it, it, it's also represented by the notion that, that as good as I think LRO you know, was and is and any system built, if you're never overriding it, you're doing something wrong. If you're overriding it too frequently, you're doing something wrong. There's a Goldilocks zone that represents that that collaboration. So I think that's just a sort of more more words to say the same thing that you just said in the question, right? So you're, you're absolutely right. It, it is is not a set and forget kind of application. 
So talking about something very practical, let's say someone is using LRO and somehow you lease, you know, a B2 floor plan, a two bedroom at a ridiculously high price. Uh-huh. So now if the conclusion of that one person paid that high price, now everybody's going to pay that high price. It's a mistake. So not only Absolutely. in terms of using LRO of setting it and, and, and whatever, but you need to know the data of what happened. So yeah. we, the way we do pricing, we don't, we use a third party consultant. We have a system. We do it once a week, mm-hmm. but yeah. often you have to look at what is the, the market rent and what are, what are the achieved rents? Cause sometimes part of the system is, Oh, there's mm-hmm. no three bedrooms available. Let's raise yeah. rents. And then yeah. all of a sudden when they become available, it's much significantly higher than you've ever achieved. So I think that all managers and regional managers, anybody who's in revenue management has to also be looking at the data of what has actually happened. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I would say like right away, the, the, you know, one advantage of an automated revenue management system is it can price daily, not weekly. And, uh, you know, if rents are going up two, 3% a week, which can happen both seasonally and, uh, and organically, um, you know, miss enough of those daily changes by only pricing weekly and you actually are leaving some money on the table. In terms of the context of making a decision, absolutely, right? Various factors come into play around what's happening in the market, what have we leased at, recent, leased at recently. Um, automated systems definitely do better with larger pools of units, right? Because, uh, I mean, the example you gave Right. It's rare that you have a one bedroom that's sold out. Your, your one bedrooms are, are at least at a 200, 250 unit property that your one bedrooms are sold out for weeks on end. And so when one finally comes available, all of a sudden it's almost like, wow, I'm pricing from scratch. On the other hand, it's not unusual for three bedrooms. I, I had properties that only had eight, nine, 10, three bedrooms. And you might go two, three months with no availability. That's a perfect example where a human may need to come in and override because the system itself may either be too aggressive or not aggressive enough, depending on the, the exact algorithm uh, of the system, because it, it hasn't had a data point for so long. So um, more unique units like penthouses, um, lower volume transactions, like sometimes three bedrooms. Loft units. Absol- loft units, absolutely. Those require more oversight. Lease-ups require more oversight. You don't have as much history, um, et cetera. So, Again, that's. I think those are all proof points from your first question, which is, yeah, it's a collaboration between the human intuition and knowledge and what the computer can crunch algorithmically. Now, a, a problem, I think, with most property management softwares is you have a report and then it just gives it to you there. So let's say at the end of the month, I do a report what happened in that month. Mm-hmm. I can't compare that to the previous month, the month before that, the month before that, unless I export it and then I put it into my spreadsheet. Yes. So now yes. the, as, as old fashioned as that might be, it is very uh-huh. effective in the sense that, well, one having that, but obviously right. we're not here to sell your product, but there are tools that you don't have to do that. You export into the tool and then here you could see everything all at once. Yeah. I mean, I, what, what I would say is, is what you described is very effective. It's not very efficient. And in fact, most of the industry <clears throat> You know, analysts spend 80 or 90% of their time collating data versus uh, analyzing. And so, um, I mean, okay, yeah, plug for Reba, but honestly, any uh, any good BI system, bespoke, otherwise ours, whatever, the idea is to pre-process that data whole overnight and have a data model 
that already has those calculations, has those date dimensions, so that um, you spend five or 10% of your time collating or setting up the data and the rest of the time analyzing. Now you can move at the speed of curiosity, right? You see something and you go, well, I wonder if that varies by bedroom. Well, my God, if I have to go pull a bunch of new reports at the bedroom level and do a bunch of VLOOKUPs or index statements, blah, 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 you know, it's either going to take you a long time or you're going to just give up and not do it because you were just curious, but maybe you miss an insight. Whereas if I literally can just drag bedroom like in a pivot table over into the analysis and there now I'm seeing it by bedroom count, right? That's where the, that's where making better decisions faster. That's where, you know, data at the speed of curiosity happens. Um, I, I, we joke internally at Reba that we should publish a tagline, you know, or, or a mission statement. We're on a mission to get rid of VLOOKUPs and index statements, right? Which is how, for those of you that aren't Excel jocks, that's how your Excel jock analysts are taking all this data from multiple reports, copying and pasting, and then making it all match up. They're basically building the, the mini data mart in these Excel statements. You know, we obviously advocate much more contemporary and powerful platform of having all that stuff done overnight in a true data warehouse. And then you're just pulling metrics when you need them super, super fast. Right. I, I think, and what my experience is though, is- we actually have somebody in house and we're using some, some business intelligent tools and power BI and, and, and yep. we're moving in that direction and it's great. Yep. But I think so one, there are people who need that, but I think mm-hmm. more so is, is people don't even know what the information they actually need. So for me, yep. being curious yes. and wanting to figure things out, my own manual reporting has evolved over time is because what do I want to know? And then I see this and then I'm guessing, okay, oh, this and- is, so yeah, and that's really where dashboard or or, or um, subscription reports come from. Is like, okay, we've gone through a purposeful activity to figure out what we need to look at, so we can get insights faster. Like, I don't expect a community manager or a regional manager to be building reports or building dashboards on the fly, right? We want to feed them the set of data that makes it really easy for them to see what they need to see to make some decisions, go act upon them. So, you know, one of the things you and I were talking prepping for this is just, you know, the importance of context, right? Looking at a metric alone, it's hard to know whether it's good or bad, or you're relying on the memory and the experience of that regional to know what's good or bad. Putting that into more of a longitudinal report so I can see the trend, right? Is this number a number that's getting better or worse, right? Because if I have a certain number and it's getting better, that means one thing. If it's getting worse, it means another thing. Is it is it better or worse than last month? How does it compare to last year, right? Metrics that are very seasonal, comparing month over month is maybe not so important as comparing year over year, right? So you want to take out the seasonality. So context is key. And in fact, as you were talking, you reminded me of an evolution that I typically see, right? And, and back when I was, you know, much more junior in my career working at Artstone, right? The, the CEO would come asking for some analysis. I'd ask him if it was ad hoc or not. Oh, no, I just needed this once. So I put together this quick little Excel thing, give it to him. He'd love it and tell me he wants it again. Crap, I wish you had told me you would want it more than once because I would have built it better, right, than just a quick ad hoc. Okay, I'll go through the brain damage of fixing all my little hacks and make it more repeatable, okay? So I do that. Well, okay, I burned hours to begin with. Now I burned more hours. Then he starts looking at it regularly and all of a sudden decides, you know, this would be really cool to share with more people. Like if I like it, probably the operators ought to see it. And so you see this evolution from a one-time request to, hey, it's worth looking at it again, to, hey, we should democratize the data and get this out 
to the field or to the asset management team or whomever, whoever the stakeholder is, so that they're seeing the same thing that the CEO is seeing, and now they can proactively make better decisions, right? So someone like you or me working the early stage, we're massaging it and playing with it, et cetera, but eventually it gets to a point where we want to publish it as something that everybody's always looking at. And so that's a very natural maturation of data. So I, I, I have a few of my stories that are going to be very different than your stories. But so uh-huh. my initial was, was I wanted to be able to look at over time for every property, the number of move-ins each month, you know, mm-hmm. what was, how did it end the month? And then I have this across columns so right. I can see. And I also yeah. have in there the market rent and then total lease charges. And uh-huh. so when I first started, so I started in 2018. So in that winter going into 2019, we there was a, a smaller property that we had and this was the first time that we we did certain concessions and we changed our lease terms we always did 12 months yeah. this was the first time then this is we were much smaller we started doing 15 16 months so the winter of 20 um this is 2018 going to 2019 so the beginning of 2020 right right before covid we had almost no expirations in january february so we didn't, we didn't do a lot of leasing also, but the property maintained a high occupancy. And there was a point where if you're just looking at it, oh, our occupancy is good. Right. Let's raise rents more. But I was actually able to see that our leasing velocity was going down because we yes. didn't actually need more. And I was able to foresee that actually our, I think our pricing might be off here and um, we need to adjust and, and be able to and forecast I, I, and foresee. Right. I, I, I would add to that even another critical metric is availability, right? So um, a lot of people, Look at occupancy and fixate on occupancy, but occupancy is a lagging indicator. Availability is more of a leading indicator, right? So if I'm at um, if I'm at very high occupancy and very low availability, I can afford to push rents a little much. And if I'm right, I win. If I'm wrong, well, when availability rises a little bit because of notices, I'll back off. But I didn't really hurt myself because I'm not going to hurt occupancy as long as I keep availability under control. So I think the the, the managing and massaging of multiple um, key indicators is, is kind of the moral of that story. And that's where, you know, creating whether it's, you know, somewhat manual reports or automated dashboarding through, through a BI platform, you know, either way, the idea is to get it out there regularly. Um, so that, so that people are looking at it. Yes. Yeah, so, so there's a lady on our team. So she has this whole automated, she's in Wiz Excel yeah. and I get these reports and I just have to plug this in and then updates it. But yeah. So that was the very beginning of that report. Then there became a weekly yeah. and, and so forth. And it, it, it was looking at the last eight weeks, forecasting the right. upcoming eight weeks. And there's a current property that the, the occupancy has been great and overall the trend is great. But when I'm able to look at what happened the last eight weeks and what's supposed to happen the next mm-hmm. eight weeks, I'm able to see that the leasing velocity is completely shifted, yep. right? occupancy went up we had the last eight weeks we had 20 move-ins and we had 12 move-outs and the next eight weeks we have 12 move-ins and 30 move-outs whoa something something is not is going to be over here and this is going to catch up to us if we don't adjust this here so i'm like not blowing a whistle but i'm bringing alerts to a property where everybody's like what do you mean the the occupancy is great and the trend is great but because of how i'm looking at it differently i see this pattern that is going to catch up to us no i think i think that's an excellent example of of the power of data, right? The power of call it analytics, call it BI, call it whatever you want. It's it's about creating actionable insights in near real time. You know, I will add to that. And I want to get to a point where instead of having a lady who has to do that for me, the computer is doing it for me automatically overnight. And that lady can go move on to something else that is even more powerful or, you know, peel the onion one layer deeper. Um, 
there's there's a real you know when when you're dealing mostly in the Excel world and just downloading reports from your systems of record, there's a real hidden tax on just the number of hours it takes to do stuff, and it, it it's amazing. It, it it's amazing what can happen. It's very hard to get people who don't who've never had good BI to understand the power of that. In fact, my entire career, I've struggled to get a COO to recognize, like, here's the monetary value of having that. Like, okay, it's good to have that, but how do I make more money? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. Every COO or CEO I know, whoever had good BI, if they left the job and went to another company that didn't have good BI, they felt like they were flying blind. And BI became their top one or two priorities that first year so it's one of those things like a fish doesn't know it's in water it doesn't know there's this thing called land but once you've been on land you go wow this is pretty interesting look at the trees and the grass and everything else and so i see the same thing with bi it's easy when you aren't using it or don't have it to kind of poo poo whether there's real value in it but everybody who ever gets it they don't ever want to lose it afterwards well i think the problem is it's not it's not being against bi it's not knowing what it is that they want to track. It's like before someone had a Fitbit, nobody cared how many steps they take. And then it's yeah. like, oh, I could track how many steps I take. That's cool. Well, and, and, and I'll, I'll add to that. Like, yes, and it's the tangibility issue, right? Like, like I get the, okay, I can bring some data together. How do I make more money on that? Right? Like I, I say make better decisions. Well, if you know faster. that, so, so, so right? here, so, so at the, at, like most people, at the end of 2022, we're talking about for 2023, how can we re- reduce expenses? We want to have yeah. a better idea of that. And so there was a project that was brought up and I was like, why is this really a high priority? Because of the amount of money that we're spending on this. And I was like, yeah. really? Well, I think there's a lot of other areas that we can control that will affect this. So what did I do? I took from my 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 workbook that has 100 tabs and I was able to take every property and I was able to take yeah. what was the the... Uh, average occupancy for 12 months, how many months it finished under 95. I took yep. a 12 month statement, the, the vacancy loss concept and concessions and the number of move outs. And I made up a turn cost because I'm the director of leasing and marketing. I don't know what it costs, but I know that it's more than $1,200. So I did this. We had at the time eight properties. And so I had this column. It had, Right. So the total vacancy loss across eight properties yeah. was three and a half million dollars. The concession cost was a million dollars. The turn cost was one point six million dollars. Yeah. Those numbers were significantly higher than the category that we were talking about. And yeah. further, I was able to show that the properties with the highest retention had the lowest vacancy loss. They had the lowest concession expense and they had the lowest turn cost. And the best yeah. part is they had the highest revenue growth. So if our average property was averaging Five and a half, six percent. This property mm-hmm. had a nine and a half percent revenue growth, and on top of that, it was the only one that was positive, meaning it was it reduced expense loss and all that. It was positive. Everybody else, when you combined the expenses of vacancy loss and concession and turn costs from the previous year, was in the red. So, yep. not only was the percent higher, but that number is even the right. NOI is even higher, so and what- that property won the rewards across over. And then once you're able to see this, so now. Instead of just looking at this in hindsight, now I'm adding to my own report where I, I do this in real time. So I'm looking in real time. No, I think, concessions. I, yeah, I think that I think that's a perfect example of what I was just saying, right? Is is you know, to to be perfectly honest, if I'm meeting with the COO of a large company, he's not gonna give me that length of time to give that specific example, right? They they just don't, you know, they're very impatient with stuff. So all I'm saying, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying the hard part is to get somebody who's never had it. To recognize stories like what you just told, but get them to understand in 30 second sound bites that there's really something there there. Now, 
Conversely, once you get them there, right? Like think of yourself, right? If I suddenly put you in a situation where you're supposed to run a portfolio, and oh, by the way, you don't have any of those files. Those files are all gone. Don't have them. What are you going to do? You're going to go, oh my God, like I need all this stuff that I used to have. And so you're going to go, well, crap, if I have to build it from scratch, I'm still going to go build it from scratch because how do I run this portfolio the way I want to run it if I don't have that? And that's really my point, right? Well, well once I, my, somebody gets it, they never want to be without it. Well, so, so my point is that is I want property managers and regional managers, really everybody to be huh? curious, like what it is that they don't know and to be, to be yes. hungry to, to yes. understand the stuff and, and, and figure it out. That's been my process. We use another tool yep. for taking a lot of data at once. That's for underwriting. So we plug it in there. Then you can do the performance really quickly. I go in there yep. just to look at other properties and some of these yep. bigger landlords and like, how are their properties reporting or, or performing? And there's a lot of, mm-hmm. I became obsessed with, with, with revenue and looking at that. Everybody looks at, you know, market rent, but, but revenue mm-hmm. achieved rent is, is, is a lot more significant than what the asking price is. And, yep. you, you oh, know, absolutely. whenever. Yeah. So, so for, for no, me, I mean, that's that, music that, to my ears. I mean, even in revenue management, it's about, it's about the effective rent. I, I don't care what you're asking, but is I, I care what, uh, I care what money you put in the bank. Yeah. So, so for me, that's, it's been a very manual evolution, but the more I yeah. track stuff and, 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 and have a process is so it, it, it becomes, it becomes self-generating, right? The more I, again, I go back to insights and the speed of curiosity, right? The more you learn something, the more questions you have. So now you've got to build something to learn that. And it, and it, you know, it really, it really does snowball. And I've seen that, you know, I saw that in my 10 years at Archstone. Um, I saw that in my consulting practice with uh, people I consulted on data platforms. And of course, with Reba, you know, with our clients, we, we see that happening there as well. Yeah. So, I, you know, my goal here is that property managers, regional managers, more should be curious, like, what are actual, you know, what is your actual retention rate? Even simple yeah. numbers. What, what is your retention yeah, pro- rate? I'm- Here's my, but here's my message actually is what I would say is property management leaders should invest in the platforms that allow your operators to be curious quickly because a, a community manager, a regional manager, they're so busy with so many things on their day that for them to, even if they are naturally curious to find the time to go do it, like they got a day job. And so what, what I really advocate for is creating the platform so the, you know, the headquarters, I mean, you know, you invested in the lady to build the sheets so that you can look at this and now can share it with the operators, et cetera, right? That, that lets the operators do their job better. Of, of course. With, yes. It would be great you know? if it, it came from corporate, it, it, but empowering, like if yeah. corporate is not giving you that, there's a lot that you can do. Like I discovered a lot of stuff just yeah. by wanting to I, understand. I, you're, you're, you're biased. You're selling a product. <laughs> that's not even selling a product. My my advice to a my advice to a community manager or regional, if corporate's not supporting you with better data products, go work for another company that does. It's a very fragmented industry. There are lots of companies out there, and and uh, instead of having to create it all from scratch while you're doing your day job, like go someplace that has it for you, and and focus your time. You know, I, I don't want my community managers focusing their time on creating reports. I want them focusing time on taking the insights from the reports and going and doing something about it. So, 100%. you know, there are lots of jobs in this industry. Go work for someone that cares about data. Yes. Okay. So to finish off, tell us a product, a product. unsponsored, anything that that is interesting in the life of Donald Davidoff. It could be a book, something that you use every day, you never use, but you're interested yeah, in. Well, so this is, this is sort of um, for travelers. This is kind of going to geek out. It's, um, it's actually my favorite app. The app I use on my phone 
more than anything other than like email or texting and that sort of stuff. And it's flight aware because flight aware, if you're at the airport or, or you're even heading to the airport and you want to know, um, not only I was going to say it can't be data related, but okay, fine. Well, I it's mean, a good it's, hack. It's, 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 for the it's life book. related in that. I mean, my life is around like what the hell's happening when I'm traveling and there's nothing more frustrating than a rolling delay. And so the cool thing about flight aware is you can see where the flight that's coming in is coming from and even where that one's coming from. So I can't tell you the number of times that I've gotten on. I've seen like, Oh, we're delayed 30 minutes. And then I go and the flight that's coming in hasn't even taken off yet. So like, there's no, no way it's 30, 30 minutes. In fact, I was, I was at it's several years ago, maybe better now pre COVID I was at Newark airport and um, we were on a delay and I checked flight aware and the gate had changed to a whole different terminal. And I saw a pilot with his phone to his ear and I could tell he was frustrated. And I just had this sense that's our pilot. And he's trying to find out what's going on from the operations center. And so I asked him, I'm sorry to interrupt, but are you, are you the pilot for this flight coming up? He's like, yeah. I said, by the way, flight aware just told me we changed to gate, whatever. And he looked at me and said, really? I was like, yeah. And he hung up on his phone and he walked with the rest of us. Like flight aware told me, about the gate change before the captain was told by his airlines uh, operation center about the gate change. So I don't know. It's geeky. It's, it's only for like frequent travelers, but it's a really cool app. That's a good story. Donald, thank you so much. Thank you much. I really appreciate it. Have a good one.